Dave Fanning on 2FM. Earlier this year, it was announced that a new category specifically for video games was being added to the Grammys. That's the awards, thingamabobs that you well know, recognising outstanding achievement in the music industry. Music crafted for video games has been eligible for the coveted awards since 2011, but a dedicated category marks substantial progress in the recognition given to such a crucial aspect of the interactive industry. Best score soundtrack for video games and other interactive media. That's the official title of the new award. And here to tell us more about it and to take a look at just how important music is to gaming is Irish novelist and video game reviewer for The Guardian, that's Sarah Maria Griffin. Sarah, how are you doing? Are you all right? Hi, I'm really well, Dave. Thanks a million for having me back. Very good. Now, the first time ever there's going to be a best video game score category at the Grammys. What do we know about it? How did it come about? I am delighted to see this change, to be honest, Dave. It's really by far about time that the category that the category of video games music got such uh, mainstream attention and mainstream recognition, I think. So, yep, you're right in saying that previously there were games of, that were available for nomination. Twice video games have won in the, in the Grammys before Civilization 4, Kirby Superstar. But now they have moved away from being just included with best score for visual media into their very own category. So it'll give, I think, the move, the genre much bigger space and um, much more, uh, I guess, um, time and uh, recognition, I think. Um, yeah, it's very I mean, important. A yeah. lot of it is speculation because you're not sure it's yet. I mean, like, like a video game category in the Grammys, what do you think it really means to the gaming industry? On one hand, I think it will mean that budgets will go up, composers will get more recognition and more support. But on the other hand, something that I think about a lot and something I've said before is that video games have been kind of doing fine on their own without yeah. integration into other media categories like cinema and pop music and things like that. So you're right, it's hard to tell at this point in the outset. The hope is that it will elevate the music out of its sort of silo in video games and further into more categories of, of access and play. But also, maybe it doesn't need it. We, we can't be sure yet. Again, it is the fact, as you're saying, video games have kind of been fine, a self-contained industry for the duration of their existence. They don't necessarily mm. need this, but now that it's there, potentially it could impact budgets, it could make people from outside say, okay, let's get involved in video games if I want to write something, all that stuff. Exactly. And the composers are the people who we really yeah. should be thinking about. The musicians, the people who dedicate their lives to building this one very particular kind of music out of the spotlight in many ways. So it could be their time to, sh time to shine. It could be the moment that these artists whose profession has been veiled away in this one particular form of media to be able to step up and stand alongside composers for cinema and pop artists. So it maybe is less about the industry and more about the individuals, if you know what I mean. Well, yeah, but Emer Noon has been with us on the programme in the past and she's a yes. big connection to video game music and all the rest. So for those who mightn't be familiar with her, tell us a little bit about her and her work. So Emer Noon is an award-winning video game composer and she's from Galway. So she's scored and conducted over 26 titles throughout video games yeah. from Overwatch to World of Warcraft. She was also the first woman to conduct the Oscars and here in Ireland, the first woman to conduct the National Concert Hall. I first encountered her over 10 years ago. Um, she was conducting a live symphony orchestra. I'd flown to London to see the uh, 25th anniversary of the Legend of Zelda Symphony Orchestra. Um, and she walked out onto the stage to conduct the orchestra and I, I couldn't believe it one that it was a woman and then when she started to speak that she was Irish so um, I was hugely moved by her presence there uh, on the stage and um, yeah she's an incredible incredible pioneer in the industry um, it's okay, great well, that she's from, from here yeah and you moved yeah, sorry you went over to London to see and I'll quote that one back to you a celebration of the 25th anniversary of the legend of Zelda explain that I one did. to me and that was 10 years ago so the music from the legend 35. of Zelda yeah I know and we've had the 35th anniversary yeah. since um, the music from The Legend of Zelda is quite, 
I guess, outstanding and iconic in the genre. It's written by largely by a man called Koji Kondo, who's also the man who wrote the Super Mario Brothers theme. And uh, because of the nature of those adventure games and the world that they're set in, which is lush and natural and beautiful, not unlike Tolkien's sort of Lord of the Rings kind of vibe, um, the scores that have been put together over the years lend themselves to the scope and depth of an orchestra. So they threw this huge celebration for the 25th birthday, I suppose, of the games. And part of that was gathering a symphonic orchestra to play the music. It was hugely moving. I have to say it was really, really something. Just, uh, I mean, you're going to have to explain me to this one too. What exactly, like, what's so good about Legend of Zelda? Besides the music? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. <laughs> it's um, it's a game that's been, like I said, it's, like you said, it's 35 years old now. Do you know the way, the way been... you said that? Oh, that's a great question. You think, oh my God, is he that stupid? He doesn't even know what the <laughs> no. bleeding legend of Zelda is. It's more, how do I begin? You know, it's... Um... It's a it's an adventure story about saving the world and saving a princess, much like a lot of other fairy tales and, yeah. and stories are. But the I feel that the way the world is designed and the music is a huge part of this is something that I think has really connected with a whole generation of players. And because it was one of the first big adventure games, those of us who played it since we were children have gotten to watch it move from simple pixels on the screen all the way up to lush 3D worlds that feel almost almost real. So um, it's a very special story. And has music always been a part and a big part of video games? Yes, I, I think it has. Um, though initially the own, it's evolved alongside the technology. To be honest, yeah. it's easy to say, oh, music's always been part of it. But sound has always been part of it for a long time. The machines that video games played on were only capable of making simple monotonal beeps and boops. And little by little, up through the 1970s, you started to hear melodies emerge all the way up. I mean, the limits of a cartridge for example, which is the, the, the grey box for anyone who doesn't know the grey box the video games first appeared on when they were on home consoles. They didn't have the memory to hold simple chip tunes, you know. So um, the, the, the music that we have now was simply impossible for the technology back then. So it grew alongside everything else. But the music that we had back then, even though it was simple, was always very melodic. The purpose that music has in video games is to keep us playing, to keep us in the world, to keep us in the flow. So there's a very kind of relaxing quality to a lot of it. And um, yeah, over time that has evolved, mm. uh, but certainly side by side with the art and the writing and the play as well. You know, like it's, I have never really spent much time in an arcade uh, of all, the, all these things going on, but anytime I ever have, there's tunes playing all over the damn place. They are, yeah. I guess an arcade setting is slightly different because when you're in an arcade full of machines, yeah. each machine is competing for your attention. So they all make loud sounds and they're trying to pull you they're over. It's kind of two-tone, really. There's nothing really major or, or, or complex about it, is there? Not initially there weren't, certainly not. But then as consoles moved into homes and video games became a more widespread yeah. pastime, the music became different and softer. The vast majority of music composed for video games now is just sort of ambient and mellow. And I think that's why oh, people right. like it so much. Do you remember Rally X? Or what was Rally X exactly? That was the first game where there was a... Uh, Music, a, a, a melodic tune right. that was composed for playing in game. So though it's from the distant past, I think it's from I think it's from even before Pong, or it, it's from like 1970, or no, it's from 1980. Um, that was the first first game that incorporated a tune that ran through the play. And since then, 
we've come a really, really, really long way. Well then, the role that music actually plays in video games, how do you see it, Sarah? I play a lot of video games and I, in my spare time and when I'm working and when I'm writing my books, I listen to music from video games as well because it gives me a real sense of place. I think the way that music for video games is designed is different from the way music for television or cinema is designed because it has to build the world. It has to build tension and a sense of place. You know, it can make the experience of play more enveloping or if needed, more frightening or more tense or more more relaxing, even depending on what is happening on the screen. The job of video game music is to complete the experience the player has, I think. Um, Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, t- hold on. I'll t- tell you this little quiz. Thing. Let's see if you can guess this. Are you ready? Of course you can, I'd say. <laughs> What's that? What a bop. That's the Super Mario Overworld theme by Koji Kanda. It is the Super <laughs> Mario original theme. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> after a while, <laughs> that's enough, really. Uh, now, what's this one? Hold on, listen. Do you know what that is? That's the opening theme from The Legend of Zelda, which is written by the same man as uh, wrote the Super Mario Brothers theme, Koji Kanda. God, the way you said that, it's like, how dare you speak over it? Hold on. <laughs> okay, your final question for 10 points. What's this? Do I hear silence? Do you know what it is? I'm racking my brain and I'm going to be mortified. I cannot think of the name of this piece, Dave. <laughs> Put your Shazam up to the radio, for God's sake. You'll get it. There's still. Oh, you idiot. There's 10 seconds left. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it's Final Fantasy Original Theme. Oh, oh. The original Final Fantasy Theme. A beautiful one. Uh, like, okay, so music and video games come a long way to the point that some games even start to feature curated playlists of songs. Tell us about some of those examples. Yeah, so as the technology moved on from the cartridge up to the CD, which is, of course, the, you know, it had a lot more capability to hold music. Yeah. Um, different video games started incorporating different existing pop songs and existing music that wasn't just composed for purpose. So games like Grand Theft Auto famously had these vast soundtracks that you would play in the car while you were cruising around various cities. You could switch on the radio to different stations and it would play a curated list of songs that already existed. FIFA every year releases a big uh, soundtrack or a big playlist for people to listen along to. Um, Yeah, so they feature music that is exists in the, in the mainstream as well as their own tracks that are they're composed specifically for them. It's sort of a hybrid. Yeah. Okay, well, here's FIFA 22 soundtracks as the football is just about to start with Poland and France. Here goes. That's good girls in churches. So how about this one here? Look. Kate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's that on? That's on Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Grand Theft Auto Vice City. It's called Wow. Yeah, hold on. Well, then there's um, in the noughties, you know, we started to see video games go from featuring music to being based on music. What about that? I mean, Guitar Hero, can you remember that? Can you? I remember it well, too well. <laughs> what, okay, um, I, I, can you remember what song was on it? Lovely. Oh, there were all so them, there were so them. many. I feel like Ace of Spades, like there were yeah, a lot of songs. Yeah, that's what I thought you'd say. That's why I said it, because this was really a huge one. Hold on. Lemmy!
The Ace of Spades, that's uh, Motorhead, Lemmy, etc. Now, th- 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 this Guitar Hero one, that was that came in about nearly 20 years ago now, did it? It did. And what the really important thing about Guitar Hero was that it came with a guitar. You didn't just play yeah, with a controller. Yeah, that's right. You it played was a with guitar this enormous, yeah. <laughs> clunky plastic controller um, that took an awful lot of abuse, to be fair to it, for people lapping around playing uh, guitar so- guitar solos that match the screen. It was great crack. It was a really incredible object. And tell me about Rock Band. What was that? The rock band was sort of the natural progression then. You don't just want to be a guitar hero because you don't want to just play it by yourself. You want to assemble a band behind you. So a rock band had a drum kit, it had guitars, it had a microphone so everyone could get together and play along with songs. It was sort of a group karaoke effort. Uh, a lot of crack. And what about Sing Star? What's that? So Sing Star goes the other way. It was just a straightforward karaoke game. There were many nights I spent between the ages of sort of 18 and 19 uh, playing rounds of Sing Star before we went off to the club. Like it was a, it's a lot of fun because you just had to sing to match the notes on the screen, which were more or less correct to what you were hearing. It was a lot of fun. I'll really give, raucous I'll give party an example games. of this now. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> so, like one music-based game that's popped up on people's social uh, socials recently is, um, oh god, is it called Trombone Champ? Is that it? It absolutely is. Yeah. Any good? <laughs> it is so much fun. <laughs> From the same sort of school as Guitar Hero and Rock Band, only this time you're not trying to play a cool guitar and land six solos. You're trying to play trombone, which is significantly harder than trying to uh, the, to play guitar. So it is exactly what it sounds like. It's a competitive game whereby you play a lot. Now, there is no plastic trombone to play with. You just have to use your keyboard and, and your trackpad. But you are to play along with songs using a uh, a trombone. And as one of the things stuff. about it is that you make a total fool of yourself and that's half the fun. That's half the fun. It's not about being good. It's about being silly. It's about um, sort of losing losing the your expectations of being able to adequately play a digital trombone. Um, it's a it's a lot of fun. Even when you're doing it right, it still sounds wrong. It's it's a very joyful experience. Okay, well, I'm going to give you a little bit of it now. Misery business trombone <laughs> champ. Listen, thanks a million, Sarah Maria Griffin. For, I I get the impression you go, oh my god, Dave knows nothing. I better be very slow about no, this. Oh, Dave, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right, Sarah, take it easy. Thank you so much indeed. Dave Fanning on Two FM.